love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. This is, to me, is just an amazing example of what love is, is these two. Oh my goodness, man, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Put me on top of the world. Well, that's where you belong. Welcome to the Canadian Love Map, a podcast that celebrates love stories of all kinds. Presented by Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, Charm Diamond Centres. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Ted and Lillian, a couple from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Their relationship began with a childhood friendship, but their lives took different paths on different continents. Eventually, a reunion led to a marriage that lasted half a century. Sadly, Lillian passed away in 2018, but their daughter Missy convinced her dad to share this amazing story with us. So how did this happen anyway? That we happened to come into your living room, yeah. you mean? <laughs> oh, we have our ways, Ted. We have our ways. Okay, whatever. Missy, I'm not sure. Is Ted ready for this, do you think? I think he is. <laughs> I think he is. He's ready. Is he willing? Oh, he's willing. He's talking about my mother. He's more than willing. I love that. Ted, this is a podcast <laughs> about love, and I hear you're no, kind of an expert. Ever. You're an expert on love. Don't don't go near that. (laughs) Don't you think it's kind of great that, especially at a time when the world is facing a lot of darkness and so much challenge, that you have the opportunity to inspire other people with what I understand was a beautiful love story? I don't know what you would classify as a love story. We we met, we went to school together and... And we got married. Okay, that is the best, most succinct description of a successful relationship I've ever heard. But as a podcast host, I want to tell you, I'm very happy that your daughter is here to color in the details a little bit. I'm glad she's here too. Otherwise, it would have been a pretty short episode, Ted. Especially yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what, what that meant. What did that mean, Dad? That... What what does that mean? I don't know. Good. Okay, Missy, over to you. Oh, yeah, we're very, we're very lucky. My brother and I, we had, uh, you know, have awesome parents, um, and uh, you know, we we had really great role models in our parents, and we we got to watch um, their dance, you know, for fifty two years. So we were we were blessed with uh, with them as our our leaders and and our guides through you know five decades of our lives. So um, my brother's you know 40, 49, and I'm fifty three. So you know we really really got to experience. So that makes me old. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> we really got to experience the quote unquote love connection um, of mom and dad. Ted, will you tell me about when you first met your wife? 
And we should say, she's no longer with us. I wish she could be here for this conversation. So do I. <laughs> verbally, but I have a feeling she's in the room. Oh, definitely. We met when we went to school. Yep, and? Our, our fathers were very good friends. Yeah. So dad's father and my mother's father were bosom buddies from childhood. My my parents grew up two streets apart and went to, what, geez, dad, elementary and junior high and high school and oh, yeah. uh, together. And um, they were kind of all brought up as, as almost cousins. As in, well, they were just like brothers. Yeah, because the, the, the fathers were like brothers. So all of their kids were brought up almost like cousins. My aunts on both sides of my family, my maternal and paternal side are like besties. Like it's just been really, it was a really cool uh, relationship. What about when you were young kids yourself? Well, you oh, and I used to play a lot of ball. My uh, brother-in-law, his name was Bubby and him and I were be jocks. We used to call us each other, each other jocks. And I, I was a bit of a jock in my day. I used to play a lot of sports. Football, volleyball, you name it, I did. Only thing I didn't do, I didn't swim. There were no sparks when you were young people? If you were in elementary no. and junior high school, together high school? No. Really? No sparks? No. No, mom called him crazy legs. He played football and she no. was like, ugh, you know, no, that I was guy. I really shy. Aha, uh -huh, you were shy. <laughs> That's changed over the years, I can see. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Mom left and went to Montreal because she moved out of her home really young and dad joined the military very young and he went to Ontario, uh, base boarding. Uh, then he went to Cyprus and Germany and eventually ended up back in Halifax. Tell, tell me a little bit more about Lillian's life in Montreal. So mom, it was kind of like that whole, um, experience of you know away from home the big city because Montreal of course was just like New York back then um and she started as a nanny for uh the Medjex uh the Medjex family and um she took uh the course to become as we call it now licensed practical nurse um so she was doing that as well and so as any young girl would experienced Montreal, the Beatles, the, you know, Elvis, like concerts and shopping and just like the glamorous life of Montreal and um, wanting to, um, you know, r really enjoy and experience that world before coming back to to Halifax. Gosh, she was there for what, six, six or seven years before yeah. she came back to Halifax. Um, she said there was. Something happened in Montreal, but I, I wish I could um, say exactly what it was, but there was like some sort of an unrest or something, and she left Montreal to come back. When she came back from Montreal, and I was home on leave, and then I used to visit visit her father because he was a good friend of my father's. And Mom's brother uh, was dating one of my mom's friends and wanted to make sure that dad and mom you know, hooked up, as dad would say. And he doesn't know that means something different these <laughs> I know, days, right? but that's okay. I know, right? <laughs> and, yeah, and so they started dating after, you know, being apart and, and dating other people and, and then coming together back in Halifax in 64. I think I'd better ask, Ted, yeah. when she came back into your life, you had known her as a child. She came back into your life. When you arrived back in Halifax, she was here what was your impression of her then? Well, she wasn't a hard looker, so. 
23? They used to consider me a ladies' man, so I figured I was a lady, ladies' man, so I tried to get at Lily, and Lily, was, she just, I just fell in love with her, that's all. And I just wanted her as my woman. That's basically what it boiled down to when we hooked up for 52 years. There we go. Was there chemistry right away when you saw each other at that age? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was chemistry, yeah. I mean, let's face it, she was uh, she was available and uh, she had a lot of suitors. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Uh, there was a, I was lucky to, <laughs> to get her, so to speak. So you had to sharpen your elbows a little bit? And get into the mix. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I, but, uh, she she was the type of person that uh, made you feel wanted. So I just fell for her. That's it. Did you have any special tricks to woo her? Yeah, my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> did you have fun together? Oh yes. What did you do for fun? Drink. <laughs> no, we used to go to parties and go, and uh, she liked to dance. And in those days, I used to dance. But uh, other than that, and just had good times together. Dad married a woman who was not shy, who was a go-getter, um, you know, full of adventure. And we moved to Germany. We were attached to a British base called Soest. Um, and mom actually went to work in Germany because mom was very independent in the 60s um, yeah. and always worked. So she worked in a German factory uh, making jewelry boxes with German women speaking not a, not a word. I went to childcare with a German lady and learned German fluently by 18 months old. So I did all the speaking as we went shopping. So, and wasn't intimidated by going to a country that, you know, number one, of course, we're African Nova Scotian family who's now in the middle of a country that, yeah, you we know, were, we lived on the economy. We were it. We were yeah. the family and we were embraced by a community. Um, I called the, the family that we lived with, um, Oma yeah. and Opa, uh, because they're old people and that's what you would call your grandparents in Germany. So I had adopted a German family and that's, that's how we kind of survived our first, what, two years before we moved down to the Canadian base in Loire. And did you did you encounter any racism or was it just a, a great welcome? I mean, she was probably the only non-white person working in that factory. Yeah, mom was. No, we never had any problem. It was, yeah, it was really Would you believe great. that? Isn't that beautiful? No problem whatsoever. I love and that. Lily was welcome everywhere and uh, she never had any problems. No, none of this foolishness that's going on today. Well, you heard dad say he was like, I, I want this woman. <laughs> And it was because like mom, um, and I mean, it probably goes back to both her mother and her grandmother, both being very strong willed women. And, and then, you know, for my dad to take her and drop her in basically a foreign country, go on exercise and, you know, feel confident enough that mom was going to be okay. And we were, and, and that's pretty much how our lives just kind of went the whole, the whole time. 
So when you say he was on exercise, where were you? You were traveling all the time, Ted. Yeah. Where were you going? Um, all around Germany. That's you know that's where we play soldier. Mm -hmm. So you know went on after we they call them exercise maneuvers the same thing, right? And uh, we used to go over and uh, just left my wife and with the kids and the way she went. I know you were in Cyprus at some point. Yeah, I was in Cyprus. Were you a spy? What? <laughs> <laughs> I just had to ask the question, Ted. I have a journalism background. Well, I got to ask. Actually, that's what they thought. They I was. thought he was. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. The Greeks thought I was a spy. Really? And, yeah. But uh, no, I was. I was with the UN. <laughs> what were you doing? I'm a communicator. I used to work in. I used to work as a radio and telegraph operator. And did you love the work? So, oh yeah, yeah. Dad was one of the very first um, black signalmen in the Canadian yeah. Armed Forces. Yeah, um, there was, you know, only there was probably, only about eight of us. Yeah, that's why I say, like, my brother and I are. We have like really awesome role models. Like, you know, Dad's at the top in the lead of his um, of his trade in the Canadian Armed Forces. So it's like, you know, we had these, these trailblazers for us and my mom, the same, you know, um, mom, um, was one of a group of women when we lived overseas and they decided to form wives group so that the women would support each other because we didn't have telephones. Um, we had like three ch channels on our television, um, we had no emails or anything as a connection to our fathers and, and spouses while they were away. So they had to rely on each other. You know, I, I believe that it's a fundamental human need to have a sense of connection and belonging. And that those wives created that for themselves, mm -hmm. as you say, when they had no real connection to home. None. That's amazing. And it also makes me understand why at that time, certainly... There were a lot of military um, marriages that broke down. Yes. The the divorce rate was pretty high, I believe. Yes. How did you how did you avoid the pitfalls of, of that possibility? Well, it's just that we were compatible when we were companions. We were we were good with each other. Uh, that's all I can say on that because I never had I never had a reason to Thing otherwise, I, she was my wife, and that was it. And tell Nancy the nickname you gave each other. My nickname, Chief. <laughs> Why do you guys call each other Chief? <laughs> because we thought we were both both Chief together. Exactly, like nobody was more important than the other. There was right. a fifty-fifty. No, every now and then, how mom was. This, every now we... and then, mom was a sixty-forty over you. <laughs> Up all these things, in chief. Because it's the truth, Dad. Oh. I think that's pretty beautiful, Ted. It, especially at a time, you know, a '50s wife or a '60s wife was still expected to be pretty subordinate and keep the home oh. and not be in charge. <laughs> not Lily. <laughs> yeah, like I was one of the few kids growing up whose mom worked outside of the home, and and of course, uh, with military spouses, um, a lot of times if you were posted you couldn't find another job because you're only going to be there for four years and nobody wants to hire you if you're only there for a few years. Right. Um, but mom was always employed <laughs> because she wanted a job. Yeah, as a matter so, of fact, the second time that we were in Germany, she became a manager of Canics. Yep. She managed the Canics. That's right. Yeah. She was clearly a capable woman <laughs> and had tons of personality. Tons. So they, 
um, you know, very much enjoyed um, entertaining. Um, when we moved back to Canada and were able to actually move back to Halifax, it was it was actually the time that I started to get to know my family because we'd been away for so long. So mom and dad's house kind of became the do drop in as well. Dad loves to to barbecue and and cook. And so we just had, you know, that kind of vibe always happening. And, you know, um, we kind of are doing the same thing now. <laughs> yeah. She Lily was the, the great mother. She used to invite all the young kids in for dinners. And it, nobody was homeless when Christmas time. No, nope. no, she fed them all. Yeah, just like her daughter. She had a generous spirit. Oh yeah, yeah. She she always made sure that the young the young folks always had a place at place in the holidays. Yeah, she did that every every time there was a, a holiday or whatever. She invited somebody somebody in. That yeah. says a lot about who she was. And I have I know it sounds very um braggish but i have friends that are like used to say oh my god i just love your parents and and i would be like yeah me too like because it's true like th this is to me is just an amazing example of what love is is these two. Oh my goodness man you're gonna make me cry <laughs> you're gonna make me cry <laughs> what do you think of that description ted wow she put me on top of the world well that's where you belong well, well, I certainly appreciate it. That's for sure. <laughs> but I did love your mother, and there's no doubt about that. And so, yeah. But what do you make me do now when we go to the gravesite? Well, we take a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? And it has I'm... to be a German Riesling. <laughs> <laughs> she liked her wine. <laughs> well, we take a bottle, and <laughs> what's left, we leave it there for the caretaker. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, you just brought that up. I think we have to get out there before the weather changes. Oh, yeah, we'll get out there. We'll get out there. I was thinking maybe next weekend. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you take a bottle. Yeah. Toaster. She hears her glass. Yeah. Yeah, we fill the glass up and, and uh, yeah, we have a few shots of wine with her. And he complains because he's not, he's not a fan of wine. No, I'm not a wine drinker. <laughs> Thank yep. you for telling us your beautiful story. And well, if you wanted the world to remember one thing about this love story, Missy, what would it be? Um, that you can't go into any kind of relationship being more than or better than. You have to go into a relationship equal and, you know, and, and cherish each other um, because that's what they did. Like they worship the ground that each other walked on nobody was better than the other and and i think that's what people really need to to learn and and i think that's what you know i've taken into the relationship with my husband and um and yeah and i'm and i'm, and I'm starting to see it with with my son and his, and his partner um yeah so i think i think that's what we have to do ted did you find over the years that a lot of people would ask you what is the secret to your successful marriage? Yeah, I got that quite a bit. But I, that, that, the reason why I said what the secret was, was she was the chief. <laughs> she, was, she was the boss. <laughs> and, and as a matter of fact, she was the boss. <laughs> Whatever she said went. Oh my gosh, that's not true. <laughs> well, yes, it was to a certain extent. You wouldn't know. 
Oh, that's the stuff behind the door. <laughs> well, we were married 52 years. Something happened on behind the door. <laughs> I don't need to know that. Well, that seems like the most beautiful way to end this. I think so. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. This podcast is made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. <laughs>